Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name's Adam. I'm Craig and Merry Christmas. And you're listening to Guilty Pleasure Cinema. Adam and Craig's Guilty Pleasure. Adam and Craig's Guilty Pleasure. Adam and Craig's Guilty Pleasure Cinema. Oh baby, it's Christmas. It is Christmas special time. It is the time for overpriced gifts in undersized stockings. It is the time for the annual debate of whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie. But fuck that, we're talking about Shane Black, the man who loves writing about Christmas. He does. He does. Lethal Weapon, yeah. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Iron Man 3, The Last Boy Scout, and this one, Long Kiss Goodnight. So, why do you think that is? I have no idea. If I was to hazard a guess, um, I would say it's because the theme of the setting of having it Christmas has a massive contrast to the plot that's happening in a sense like yeah. sorrow, action, drama. Yeah, it's a nice it's meant to be, juxtaposition, yeah. isn't it? Essentially, yeah. It's, it's meant to be festive time of you know, giving and joy and then people getting blown up and shot. Yeah, you expect James Stewart running down the street saying Merry Christmas. Instead, you get mine rigs with a 9mm in his mouth. Yes. It's beautiful. So just for, just for the listener... Samantha Kane, a suburban homemaker, is the ideal mum to her eight-year-old daughter, Caitlin. She lives in Hornsdale, PA, has a job teaching school, and makes the best Rice Krispie treats in town. <laughs> Fuck off, is that the I- yeah. That's not the IMDb synopsis. It is. Uh, but when she receives a bump on her head, she begins to remember small parts of her previous life as a lethal, top-secret agent. Her old chums in the chapter are now out to kill her, so she enlists the help of a cheap detective named Mitch. Mm. As Samantha remembers more and more of her previous life, she becomes deadlier and more resourceful. Both Mitch and Charlie proceed to do the killing sing, the bleeding sing, and the shooting sing. So I okay. don't know who the fuck wrote that. That, <laughs> that synopsis lost me to begin with. Yeah, It really brought me back with that ending. This, the killing thing, the shooting thing, and the bleeding thing. Is that what it said? Yeah. Nice. I I like that. I feel like Shane Black took the time to write that. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about Shane Black then. So um, Shane Black, at one point, the highest paid screenwriter in Hollywood. He was the first person to sell a movie script for about four, four million dollars. Yeah. And all of the other writers in Hollywood went, boo earns, you're making money. Yeah, how dare you, you professional. How <laughs> dare you, one of the best of us, make more money than all of us. How dare you. That's very much like kind of like a bucket of crabs kind of feeling, isn't it? It's just... I don't know what you mean by that. So it's kind of like the idea that within groups or communities, if someone tends to start doing well... Tall poppy syndrome. Uh, yeah. That's a little, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, and after that, he retired from screenwriting until Kiss Kiss Bang Bang in like 2003. Yeah, it took about a decade out. So going through cast for the first build, uh, we have Gina Davis. Uh, she plays Samantha Kane um, and Charlie, Charlie Baltimore. Charlie Baltimore. Um, so next on the bill, uh, we've got uh, Samuel Jackson plays uh, Mitch Hennessy. Mitch, Mitch Hennessy. A character and, named after booze who loves to drink. Uh, then, yeah, uh, Craig Bierko, uh plays Timothy. This film is, like, not quite there with its level of Air Force One. Oh, shit, William H. Macy's in this. Yeah. But David Morse is probably the next one, right? He's, he's a little bit... Or Brian Cox, even. Right, he's a little bit down the list. Uh, Brian Cox uh, plays Nathan. That's uh, the Brian Cox, not... Professor Brian Cox, right? Yeah. The um, Brian Cox. I probably know him more from his portrayal as uh, Striker from the X-Men movies. Okay. For uh, me, it's Agamemnon, Agamemnon Troy, Troy, or even the original Hannibal Lecter. Good knowledge. Uh, and then you've got uh, Patrick uh, Malahide, who plays Perkins. Yeah, again, he's got a face where I'm like, you could be brothers with Clint Howard. You yeah. know, you're bold. His thing is he's bold. <laughs> Right, and then yes, you have David Morse, who plays Luke slash Daedalus, probably prominently known for the Green Mile. Green Mile or The Rock. Then we've got, I mean, the guy with the one eye. Uh, he's a, he's a he's face. He's Joseph McKenna. That's One Eye Jack. Jack uh, one Eye Jack, which I love the fact that his name is One Eye Jack. It yeah. really is like calling someone, yeah, Fatty McGee or yeah, it's like oh, Stump Leg Jim. Because right? I remember, obviously, he loses the eye from Gina Davis, so he was never always one eye Jack. It was no, just like, he was Jack. You were For Jack. a long time, he was two eyed Jack, <laughs> and he lost fifty percent of his revenue. <laughs> it's just like, hey, you know that thing that you're probably really conscious about. Yeah, exactly. And it affects you every day of your life. Yeah, let's just call you that. <laughs> so I'm excited to watch this. I love a good Christmas film, of which this is not. Yeah. Full disclosure. I've been watching The Grinch today. It's on. Look at that. I know. I was wondering what the fuck that was when I came in. 
really the, the the grinch you were wondering what that <laughs> Jim Carrey dressed in green film. What? It's actually the Truman Show deleted scenes. Maybe. Uh, so let's go sit down and watch The Long Kiss Goodnight. Yeah. So three, two, one. It is movie talk time. Gonna do a podcast with Adam. Gonna pour a Bailey's first. Uh, opening scene. Uh, well, we get through the credits. We got uh, some sweet voiceover. Yeah, we got a little bit of voiceover. Basically, Gina Davis saying, "I was born eight years ago. Hard to believe. Amnesia. Am I right?" Yeah. So yeah, she's a suburban housewife as Charlie Baltimore. She's got a husband. She's got a kid. Yeah. And we see the Christmas party with the drunken dude and Raymond, the kid that smokes, and she's out handing out canapes or something. Well, yeah, she and does the Christmas parades as well, doesn't she? As Mrs. Claus, and even the TV cameras like Mrs. Claus. Yeah. Hot damn. And hubba hubba. All right, TV from the nineties. Calm down. But that. TV report gets seen by One-Eyed Jack. That bit, right, for me, made, made me laugh, right? Because he's yeah. in the TV room. I feel like I saw a bed. That might have just maybe. been the you sofa. Know I think, I want to say maybe you're right. Maybe then. he's just got this fucking penthouse jail suite. I don't get how you fucking recognise anybody through that TV. The fucking grate yeah. over it was covering up pretty much, if not the whole fucking screen. And? The TV quality was so fucking shit. And? And? He's got, got one eye! <laughs> Like, I'm not saying that you can't see anything because he's got one eye. Obviously, his level of depth is actually... 50% of what he once saw. Poor two-eyed Jack. All right, okay, right. You close one eye and tell me what you see. A box TV from the 90s shot... News footage shot on an old camera from the 90s with a mesh in front of it. This dude sat 20 feet away with one eye. For me, what I find very hard of it is that he, like, instantly, like, bam... Recognises her and starts fucking reading. He looks at a TV screen of a woman he was convinced was dead. He's not like, oh, that looks like the woman I killed. She's got long brown hair. Oh, well. He's so certain. It's not like she's got a birthmark or a scar or a mole. She's just got Gina Davis's face. To be fair, Gina Davis is fairly recognisable. No, (laughs) absolutely. Of course, 100% Gina Davis is recognisable. But there are enough people in the world that doppelgangers are a thing. Mm. You know, you can look at me and be like, that's Kevin Bridges. You could do it. People have. I prefer Pedro Pascal. We'll go into a different thing. People different say day. apparently I look like Ryan Reynolds. Do they? Right. Let's talk about the fucking car accident. Then. Oh, okay. So who's the guy that she's giving the right, right home to? I feel like it's a family friend. It might be her husband's uncle or something. He's no. a handsy old dude. Yeah, I do. Does he like try it. to go for the the gummy bear Venus de Milo? <laughs> great reference he might be I'm pretty, you don't yeah. know it's a bit weird right they run into a deer on the road and the deer is still fucking alive and going batshit on top of the screen because I've never had to run over a deer before but I've heard that, that never is... had to but you've wanted to but this is one of the problems with uh, something like that going through your fucking windscreen mm-hmm. is because it doesn't just die on impact the fact yeah. that it then goes batshit and flips out because it's in your fucking windscreen. <laughs> she wakes up and is like, oh man, that car's burning with that dude inside. Huh. That deer needs to be put out of its misery. Yeah. He just breaks the deer's neck and lets that old dude burn. <laughs> she, fucking, he was handsy. Uh, so she's ice skating with her daughter. Right, yeah. And then goes a bit OTT with the life advice. Yeah, so we start to get flourishes of the old Gina Davis, Sam yeah, So she's hit, she's hit her head hard after the car accident, and then she's starting to... Yes, kind the of amnesia is wearing off, Yeah, and she's on the ice, and she says, stop being a little baby, life is pain, you get used to it. It's like if Roy Keane was your dad. <laughs> oh, you scored three goals instead of four, yeah. you're grounded. So the other bit which then made me laugh was the whole knife-chopping thing. Uh, so so she's at home and she can't cut a carrot or something. Can't she, cut a carrot for toffee. And then all of a sudden she turns into Gordon Ramsay and she's... Look at this shit. I'm fucking cutting a carrot. And everyone's like, yay! Yay! Throw her an onion. 
throw her a pepper. Right. Throw her to oh, she threw a knife through the right. tomato in midair. Then, so what is the thinking behind yourself? My little eight-year-old kid is running around the fucking kitchen chucking stuff at me. Hey, I'm gonna take this fucking huge knife and balance it on my fucking well, finger. Well, you get more and more moments where Charlie forgets what Sam has done. She forgets killing that person in the train station. She forgets bits and bobs because yeah. the old memory takes over. And at the end, she's got that synchronicity. Mm. But in moments like this, her old instincts say to her new instincts, "Fuck off! This is who we really are." Yeah, yeah. that's the first sign. That is quite nice. But is that your also... first, your initial instinct is to balance the fucking knife on your finger. <laughs> <laughs> Typically for me, no, but I've had too many accidents. However, it, this film is the reason that I can chop vegetables as well as I can, as you noted when we you stayed here for that week. Yeah, uh, I can chop the shit out of garlic. Or can you throw a fucking knife through a tomato? I can into chop water? the shit out of garlic. <laughs> That's where that sentence ends. Cut to Sam Jackson. He's alienated from his wife and mm. son. The, he on his son's birthday he goes to give him a present mm. and the son says I'm not allowed to take this from you yeah, when you gave me that bike for my birthday mum called the store to see if there'd been any robberies Yeah, he makes a joke about like nah, I don't steal from ones in town it's like oh you definitely stole that bike didn't you <laughs> you definitely stole that bike enter the third party one eyed Jack yeah so he turns up uh, at the doorstep after holding a uh, Christmas carol service hostage one-eyed Jack has amazing foresight, or he's able to march a carol service down the street whilst carrying a shotgun, real discreet-like. Now, if you were going to go kill someone, surely you want to be fairly discreet about it anyway, because there's obviously the news report um, that he's escaped, mm-hmm. so they know that he's a fugitive at large. He is quite a recognisable person. You know what I mean? Well, he's like, one-eyed Jack. Yeah, I mean, there's only one of them. You've got, what, how many people in that carol service? Let's say ten. Let's say ten people. So ten people, they know... They the... are still holding that melody, though. Even they've got oh, yeah. head. They are the best carolers <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Jean Davis and her husband are inside. It cuts to outside and it does a nice panning shot in front of all the carolers. And you're like, why are they worried? Why are they worried? Oh, one of them's got a shotgun to the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cut back to inside. Gina Davis grabs candy. Not money. Carolers do not work for candy, Gina Davis. They well, go for I'm the s- cash. But how much do you give these people if you do give them money? I've literally never had a carol. Well, you live on troop. top of a flats. I live in the penthouse, <laughs> yes. But when I lived on a, in a house... In the West Country or other houses I've had around London. Yeah, what was the distance between you and the other houses then in in the countryside? A carol services walk away. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But anyway, so it cuts to them, they're singing. She cuts back to her inside, grabs the candy, cuts to outside. She opens the door. Carol's all there, but One-Eyed Jack is just right next to the door. Imagine if she opened the door and One-Eyed Jack was like creeping halfway between carol service and door. Yeah. There are... I just don't get why. Well, if you knew she was in, why didn't you just break in and just shoot everyone while they were? That's exactly yeah. it. I mean, I suppose in his head, she hasn't got amnesia. She's still Sam Kane, the assassin. Maybe, yeah. That's. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, okay, I suppose. Enough. Okay, we didn't think about that when we were heckling it earlier. So he rocks in and he's got like a fucking bazooka Shot... shotgun. He's a shotgun rocket launcher. Yeah. That classic. What the fuck is this? It literally punches, blows open a hole in the wall for Samantha Kane to absolutely yeet. Her kid grew. Yeah, I love this. What a coincidence that it blows a hole in the wall that leads directly to the open door of the kid's treehouse. Yeah. And then Hal, the husband, comes and tries to kick one eyes Jack's ass and he gets a shotgun to the stomach and then the face. Yeah. And then Gina Davis kills one eyed Jack with a pie. After licking her fingers. Yep, absolutely. That's a bit fucking weird <laughs> fingers that are covered in lemon meringue pie and blood one eye jack gets killed way too easy you could have easily made one eye jack the main protagonist exactly uh, yeah protagonist? Uh, antagonist. antagonist yes exactly uh in the midst of one eye jack somehow breaking out of prison we got a cut to craig bieko he's got this dude strung up he's got his knife out and he's asking about project honeymoon yeah, Operation, uh, Honeymoon. Uh, Operation, Operation Honeymoon. Operation Honeymoon. And the guy says, no, I don't know anything. you got to believe me. Craig Bieko looks in his eyes and goes, no, you don't know anything. I've got this talent. I can just tell when people yeah, are lying to me. hero power. And, yeah, any chance he can say it, he says it as if it's like his party trick, but that's yeah. all he's got. Yeah. You know, he's the guy that goes to the party and does like the one magic trick. He's like, right, right? He wants to buy me a drink, right? I can look at your eyes and tell, me, tell you if you're lying. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, it does get a little bit old. It's really forced. It's kind of like he is the main villain, but he's working within a kind of villainous organization. Yeah, because what's what's the, the? It's the company. I think it's the chapter. Okay, so it's the ch- it's the chapter. I hate That's that. It. 
So I, why do you hate it? There's a film called Rampage. Oh yes, yes. Jeffrey D. Morgan is a member of OGA, other government agency. Yeah. So they say OGA is code for you don't know us. To call yourselves the company or the sorry the the chapter, it's equivalent mm. to being like, oh, we're in the Illuminati. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Okay. So you're in the Illuminati. I've, I know exactly what you're talking about. Anytime anyone says Illuminati, I'm now triggered into that. Anytime anyone says the chapter, I'm into it. Yeah, yeah. It needed to be more covert for it to be this level of covert. The level of covert, cool. which is blow up most of Niagara Falls to get more government funding. Uh, Gene Davis and Samuel Jackson go on the road. Mm. And Samuel Jackson's talking about, like, you can turn on the air con. It, doesn't, it won't warm you up, but it makes a hell of a noise. It's a nice road trip moment, mm. like the conflict, because they've got a few scenes in the car where they bond later on. Yeah. They end up phoning up Brian Cox. Yes. Uh, so they get to the train station and Samuel Jackson is packing. And because, obviously, she doesn't know who this guy is that she's meant to be meeting, has not obviously seen X-Men, doesn't know that he's <laughs> William Stryker. Yeah. The uh, good-looking assassin dude... Craig Bianco. He chats her up a little bit over the top of an old dude just oh, trying dude. to enjoy his drink has anyone ever fucking done that to you because oh, it's, it's happened to me before on the tube and I thought I was like oh sorry mate do you know this person do you want to switch seats yeah. and he's like I don't actually know him I was like okay so you're just having a fucking convo with a stranger over, over me over you Brilliant. and this old dude doesn't say anything doesn't react if I was him I'd have been so fucked off like flirt on your own time hmm. Sam Jackson comes out of the bathroom after having my second favourite line in the film. So he's got this uh, thing that he does as a memory technique. He goes, da-na-na-na-na. Oh, yeah. Put my keys in my left-hand pocket. Da-na-na-na-na. Gun in my right-hand side. <laughs> Helps him remember when he's doing stuff for the day. Oh. And as he's walking into the bathroom, he's like, da-na-na-na-na. Gonna shake hands with the mayor. <laughs> what does that mean? It's no wonder this is his favourite film. He just Sam Jackson his way through it. And then the bad guy from Indiana Jones turns up. I had an issue with this, right? So they're a covert secret op team, right? You and I have different issues with it. You do yours first, I'll do mine. Okay. So you're trying to kill Gina Davis quite stealthily because you've rocked in with a guy with a science pistol who's going to just do it very quickly. Yeah. Now, fair enough, if you got away with just doing him, uh, just for him doing her in that way, you might be able to go, oh, well, what happened? Someone got shot in the train station. It's the fact that you then have four other guys rock in through the doorways mm-hmm. with like fuck, what, Uzis, uh, AK, M- M16, submachine guns. And just obliterating everyone so you turned into killing trying to kill one person into essentially a train station massacre yeah her and death shouldn't become a news story yeah 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 this is what I'm saying and I was just thinking like are these guys quite incompetent then it's, it's the toss up either you're killing everyone in the mm. room or you don't look her dead in the eyes you're about to assassinate her you walk past like fucking Bruce Willis in Lucky Number Slevin and just that's the difference between these jamokes and a world class assassin <laughs> And as they're running, and that's that's your issue with this scene. Here's my issue with this scene. Okay. There's a bellboy just carrying on about his day after an AK-47 has been opened up on someone, and you're just like, you should be terrified, running for your life, not completing your duty. You're not the guard at Pompeii. Yeah. Like, fucking, you're working for a buck fifty an hour. I bet. <laughs> Run away. But because it's done in slow motion, you're focusing more on the center screen yeah, and yeah. not the people working in the background. And it is a case of, if this was done in real time, there would be more freneticism. It'd be much more frantic, yeah. much more chaotic. Not since doing this podcast have I ever really, really realised that I hate slow motion in films. Mm. I fucking hate slow motion in films. Anyway, they run away. They're getting chased down. Brian Cox saves the... Oh, wait, no. no, no oh, my God. You, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I've skipped over it. Take it. So they run up into the, the top of the train station. They're down some hallway. And they're taking some cover when a grenade rolls through. But one of the things that, again, I always find really weird about grenades in movies is that it's almost like, has anyone ever seen one of these things go off? <laughs> it's like, how much explosives do you think are in a but fucking... But you're, you're forgetting really one real key component <laughs> about this. One what real am I way... forgetting, Craig? You're forgetting to shut up, Affleck. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's one of those moments where you're just going to go like, uh, hang on a second. That Rennie Harlan loves an explosion yeah then I think don't get me wrong why not then throw a, a fucking, stick of dynamite something like that or something throw like a huge 
pack of like I don't know C4 or something even like something yeah. bigger than a fucking grenade if you want to try and create that much level of destruction and then yes then you have that as a very iconic scene of jumping out Jump the window out the and then shooting the ice because like, right again when I was younger I watched this and I was like oh cool she th- shoots through the ice only this time did I realise that she clocks the sign that says danger thin ice uh, yes shame black you've done it again uh so they jump through the ice no follow-up on how they get out no follow-up on, on hyperthermia <laughs> they're running away and then brian well, Cox I, I get the idea that them. they they change clothes or whatever sort of thing well they, they, no, no, they do but as like you'd still you'd still be cold like oh, they mate, get you'd in... be more than just fucking cold dude yeah brian cox is getting in the car he's like don't worry my air conditioning works fuck you mitch hennessy <laughs> he doesn't obviously get that much screen time Brian Cox which is a bit way of a sh- less than I thought he yeah did. it's a bit of a shame really yeah uh, because obviously he's a great actor he's Brian Cox I mean he's Brian Cox um, but I feel like he he's literally just there to kind of go expedition expedition yeah uh, he's right in in the archetypes of filmmaking he's the gatekeeper he's yeah, the person yeah, yeah. that gives you knowledge for you to be able to pass on to the next realm to complete your quest yeah sort of thing it's very Joseph Gordon-Levitt in Inception, just mm, chunks yes. of exposition, chunks yes. of exposition, chunks of exposition. Minor conflict with him and Sam Jackson to get over that, which works. Yeah, and also there's a little uh, wink, wink, nod, nod, Chekhov's gun, quite literally. Oh, of I my keep a God. gun in my pants. How many guns you got, old man? I got one on my hip, one on my shoulder, and one next to my dick. Yeah, and you're like, oh no, he doesn't say one next to Mister Happy. <laughs> <laughs> We got a we got a dick being called the mayor. We got a dick being called Mister Happy. This script rules. Uh, they get out of the car. Sam Jackson dresses like a golfer slash pimp. Yeah, and basically says Brian Cox could be full of shit. Which fair enough. Yeah, you know what I mean, like cause, uh, strong cause logic. You don't have any other reason to believe that he is on anyone's side other than him himself. And it's like when you're in a situation where you don't know who to trust, the only trust person no you trust is yourself. Absolutely. So yeah, the fact that you've gone to go meet this guy and there has been a setup. Yep. How do they know? You yeah, know I mean? and like, that's it. How do they? How do they know? We're the, you're the only person we told that we'd be there. How do they know to find us? He might say that uh, they tap my phones or what right. have you. So that's the bit I don't fucking get is because if he's meant to be some sort of like CIA handler himself, why is he so comfortable using a landline? <laughs> it's like, I, do you know what I mean? Like you yeah, kind of think, yeah. oh hey, you know, like I'm not going to talk in code or in secret or anything like that. Oh, uh, meet me at this very specific place at this very specific time. Here's mm, the, mm, mm. let me draw your map. Uh, yeah, I, find the X. That's me, Brian Cox with an X. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Don't ask questions. I guess, but that, <laughs> no, you're dead right. Like he should be like Paul Sorvino in Goodfellas, like only using payphones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But different ones each time or something. He should have much more covert stuff. Maybe because she was his last agent that he had, so he's kind of thinks he's out of the game, doesn't have anything to worry about. Well, as we know, that you're never out, you're of, the never out of the game. You're never out of the game. Yeah, this is a game for life. He's, he's still Brian Cox's car. They put a coat over his head, beat him up, <laughs> hit him with a golf club, and they speed away. Yes. Uh, they get to David Morse's place, and yeah, he's a fucking... we've already spoken yeah, about that. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he's a woodchuck. He's a lumberjack, or like he lives in this tree with a watermill. Yeah, there's a watermill or whatever. They rock up. This is kind of like a bit of a feature, isn't it? It's like, where the fuck would you have a watermill yeah, on your, on your left? Place? We have the Future Barn starring the 17th century watermill. It's been told that the settlers first used this in order to feed the villagers. It's it's a proper it's a proper feature yeah. that should be on display for. They <laughs> sh- he, he should be having guided tours yeah. of his property. It's amazing. But she seems to know an awfully lot about this guy. She knows how he pees. Yeah, that's such a weird thing. Like, like, oh, I know well, that's that he... the easiest way to kill someone. Well, the thing is, I, I find that uh, sitting down on the toilet to go for a pee is only good when I'm trying to skive at work and I'm sitting on the toilet <laughs> on my phone. <laughs> but you're not David Morse. I mean, he's a very particular that... gent. Gene Davis and David Morse have that moment of recollection, reconnection, what have you. Samuel Jackson has his stand here with a gun in my belt, stand with a shotgun too. Anyone fucks with Mitch, he knows what to do because he's a bad motherfucker. And Brian Cox puts a gun to the back of his head. It's again, the comedy timing is world class and follows up with I found out where you were coming because I found the address 
on this notepad between a strip joint <laughs> and what looks like a picture of a man's penis, that's a duck, not a dick. <laughs> well, if you look at it... It looks like a dick. Yeah, yeah. It looks like a really hairy dick. But no, that's a duck, not a dick. When I was a kid, I laughed my socks off at that line. It was amazing. <laughs> they realise that uh, Timothy is a piece of shit. Yeah. And then Craig Bieko arrives in a helicopter... We get that sweet torture scene. They practiced that. She practiced in a bathtub to see how long she could actually hold her breath underwater. Yeah, so this is this is kind of point I started earlier and didn't finish. She was married to Rennie Harlan. Yes. And they wanted to make this film to prove that women could be badass action heroes too. Nailed it. Yeah. And so they wrote bits that could that she could then practice and do for real. Uh, okay. And yeah, they she held her breath under the bathwater so it'd be like, all right, 90 seconds, bring her back up. But do you think that they just went a bit gorilla on it and then just went, well, fuck it, we're just tired of this thing and then just... I don't know. I don't know for sure, but it feels that way. It feels like she, rightly so, proved herself as someone that could just do whatever she wanted to do. Fair enough. And she nailed it. I reckon, obviously, her hands aren't tied up. I reckon they're fast release somehow. Yeah. I, for yeah. safety reasons, 100%. I was, I was trying to figure out how they've actually hooked her up on that thing because I was trying to look for, like... Because you, not saying that you, things are always obvious, but you'd think there'd be some sort of like harness or something yeah. like that, but obviously the top is pretty much see-through. So That's an irrelevant point, <laughs> you, but yeah, sure. You're kind of thinking, oh, I wonder how, like... Oh, top- I see the point you're making about the top. Yeah, all right. Um, <laughs> I thought he was just... Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, you'd think she'd have a rig, but I think she's just got her hands in the ropes and is holding herself yeah, yeah, down. Yeah, that's what I, I mean. mean it's a great scene. Mm. She, and obviously the person that's being tortured and killed in front of her is Brian Cox. Well, he's already dead. Yeah, has been yeah. tortured and been killed. Oh, yeah. He, so he, she leans in, she frees her arm, goes down next to Mr. Happy, grabs <laughs> grabs his dick gun and comes up blasting. Yeah. Saves Samuel Jackson for the first time. That's right. And then, because you don't really get to see what she does to do that, but you can hear it all. And then... Yeah. Just, he's like proper like like tied up down... He's been... Hog, it feels like he's been hogtied. He's left on his side and he's looking up like... Um, I was getting to a sort of like Django. I was going to say exactly like Django when Jamie Foxx yeah. has had the shit kicked out of him. Yeah, I was getting those kind of vibes. Yeah, then they go on the road again because they now realise that they've got to get Craig Bierko. They don't mm. quite know why. Yeah. But Gina Davis dyes her hair blonde and cuts it. Yeah, there are some weird bits about all of this stuff because her transition into this character is she almost becomes very unlikable. And she. Uh, obviously chucks away the picture of her family yep. all that sort of stuff and she's trying to kind of get rid of her old life as Sam mm-hmm. I, I understand the character is meant to be kind of as they shrugging off and obviously Sam Jackson notes that that's why she's doing it she's mm-hmm. trying to kill whoever this Samantha character was yeah. to her it's the first kind of sign that he's a good guy Yes. Because he's holding on to the fact that she's got a past life and that she's better than what she is I bet you though if she didn't have the kid he wouldn't give a fuck. Um, so they kind of start figuring out what they need to do, where to go with this all, and they make that phone call uh, to basically say, I want to come in. Don't. Yeah, so the, the whole idea, the whole plan is for her to have the call trace so they can find her. She And then she can establish, if they're going to bring her in, she, they bring her in and she could start working again. If not, they'll try and kill her. So she walks down the street and two guys look like they're about to mug her. The mug's actually been sent by Krabieko. Obviously, when that happens, uh, Gina Davis kicks the shit out of the mugger. This is kind of gives a little bit of a lead to what they're trying to do next. In a, she needs to get that key so she can fuck off. Um, and that's why they need to go back to her house. Yes. And with that, that's the whole reason why now the essentially kind of the daughter gets a little bit more involved in this yeah the daughter gets kidnapped and yeah. we get no scenes of the dad or Hal who's not the dad but the husband yeah yeah going my daughter my daughter where is my daughter call Gary Sinise there must be a ransom where's my daughter yeah because there's, <laughs> there's a few interesting scenes around this because she's she rolls she does the old cowboy roll out of the car yeah. gets into the house ransacks it so yeah, yeah like doesn't give a shit yeah because she's not coming back to tie yeah. that stuff up and then she looks out the window with a rifle. Through her sniper rifle. Right. Now, the thing is what I found did quite... Did you think she was going to kill the kid? No. I did. Right. Because I, I can... Right. So I was just about to jump on this because I, the reason why then how it's filmed, why they don't... Why I, I think they give the illusion or try not to think that 
that she's going to kill the kid mm. is that she when they show the POV of looking through the scope there's no crosshair oh that's interesting yeah. okay because okay, I can imagine cool. if there was a crosshair that would then sort of tunnel your vision into yeah, oh this okay. is like a sniper scope as opposed to just a scope okay that's very I've not noticed that before I look yeah. forward to seeing it on the next time the obviously when she looks through the scope the little girl who by the way broke her arm when she fell over ice skating earlier is crying again do you know what mate it's, uh, thank you for just quickly bringing that up mm. I'm just going to very very quickly touch on that it's the fact that when she does fall and she's like oh I hurt my wrist I thought to, I, I wrote it down I was just like oh Gina Davis doesn't give a shit about this and it's like that's kind of like almost like neglect but that's Sam <laughs> that's that's Gina Davis yeah, the spy yeah. taking over which is why when Gina Davis is in the treehouse earlier she's like she's had her arm hurt I don't even remember what I said to her that's that yeah, first yeah. sign of like the multiple personalities right, taking okay, over right okay cool thanks for clearing that up yeah yeah nice. yeah so but the little girl's crying again as she's leaving the ch- she's crying with her dad with Hal yeah and then, then as she's leaving the church she gets gassed by Craig Bierko who puts her over her shoulder Hal is nowhere to be seen some yeah. woman sees him stealing the girl he whips out a knife and goes, you're about to have 2.4 children. Whatever that means, this woman has to live the rest of her life knowing she let a little girl get abducted. That was a real it was dark a, it was, it is, yeah, it is. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> yeah, so then they still, they kill the girl. Uh, they kidnap the girl. We get the sweet ice skating scene. Yes. Sam Jackson's being chased by the bad guys. Gina Davis grabs the ice skates and makes chase. On the ice, the car and her are mano a mano. And she shoots driver, passenger, guy in the back seat, and the car comes to a skidding skidding stop. Yeah. Everybody wins. Yeah, it's a. Uh, so, one of the things I always think about that the 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 prowess behind obviously her abilities, and the fact that she can skate, while so and she can shoot a moving target while she's moving herself mm-hmm. is very 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 difficult. I'm not saying it's impossible. Tonya Harding could do it. But look, Jenny Davis is an international world-class assassin. Yeah, of course. She can do whatever the fuck she wants. Inevitably, they end up in Niagara Falls because Project Honeymoon is the plan to blow up a convoy of trucks or to blow up a truck. Yeah, it's like a chemical truck. Blow up a chemical truck in the middle of Niagara Falls at Christmas. Yeah. And to get more funding for the CIA, blame it on Muslims. So it's one of those things because uh, we'll... we'll we might as well talk about it now because they want to kill 4,000 people, right? Yeah. And they're thinking, all right, well, you know, obviously, you know, how do you fake that? You can't. So let's talk about it. So when was this film? 1996. 1996. So a good, was it? Five years. Watch that now and you're like, fucking, I completely forgot all about that kind of little subplot in that sense. Yeah, it's, it's not great, but also, you know, Long Kiss Goodnight foreshadowed it. Well, foreshadowed the conspiracy that uh, you know it was inside job, all this sort of stuff. Um, it sticks out. It's sorry, it, you kind of, it, it sticks out now more. But at the time, you're kind of wondering, oh, were the Muslims really that bad back then as well? <laughs> like, Perceived as that bad. You know, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I, because I don't remember anything <laughs> like that growing up. And I don't remember even really knowing that much about Islam or anything like that. Yeah, it's a weird one. I mean, I suppose for us, it's not really been a thing. However, if an American person, also known as an American, Mm. watched a British film of the same ilk and was like, ah, MI5 or The Met needs more Mm. money because the Irish, (laughs) you'd think, all right, well, fuck, are the Irish bad in the UK? No, but there's history mm, and stuff. Yeah, maybe. They're an easy... It's an, it's a, well, cause they it, talk it's about annoying the... just how much of a sore thumb it's stuck out as. Films nowadays, mm. obviously, they're funded from money from wherever, and also you want to sell the films wherever. So yeah. typically bad guys kind of have to be generic nothings. You've got so many films where it is a group of villains one from each continent or one from several countries or yeah. like yeah I did feel though like there was this sort of like a sort of swing in cinema where it became less about foreign conflict and more about internal conflict which did this film start that maybe well I mean that's what I mean it's kind of like but it, it, it is like, it is amazing it's amazing how back then you could say something like oh we're just going to blame it on the Muslims and yeah. the whole world just went yeah, it worked for them at that time. It doesn't mm-hmm. work anymore. And for you and me, to, for you especially, <laughs> to be like, 
I've kind of caught that with my ear. I don't know. It's just, yeah, I think it's just touches a quite sensitive nerve, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's probably one of the biggest events of our lives. Yeah. And has probably had the biggest domino effect in our lives with regards to, like, how the world is now shaped. Yeah. Things in society adapted and changed, and some things not for the best. Mm-hmm. The fact that, obviously, we went and, you know, a Western society pretty much bombed half those countries back to the stone age and then you know funneled money out of those countries by you know building infrastructure um, yeah, and all that arms like we're not obviously going to get charlie wilson's but, war kind of covers what we're talking about here's a here's a question for you obviously saying we're going to blame it on the muslims bought up some flags for us it's like yeah. ooh, problematic but if you were to change that and not blame it on a religion but a country so if you mm. were to say oh we're going to blame it all on the French or we're going to blame it all on the Iraqis or what have you would that be yeah I, I feel that would be better in a sense because you're not blaming it on the guy that runs the supermarket down the road yeah. you're blaming it on blaming the people on, in charge the fucking yeah, the oligarch army, the, soci- yeah. Yeah, sociopath that's running that fucking place yeah yeah you, Much the same as in, uh, any, well, anything with they're like, oh, fucking Americans. Yeah. They're being run by a particular group of people. Fuck them. I don't know. I feel like it would have stood more the test of time if they had done that. Yeah. That's a real problem. Any country, honestly. Uh, we're going to blame it on the Australians. <laughs> Prime Minister! <laughs> <laughs> so they get captured again. And the way they get captured is they've got to break into the motel where Gina mm. Davis's daughter is being kept. Yeah. Mr. Perkins gives the daughter a doll and says, I'm not a complete monster. Every child deserves to wake up on Christmas with a present. It's like, you've kidnapped this girl. <laughs> you are a son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. They get captured as they're trying to save the daughter. The fridge moment where she breaks out by crowbarring the floor and spraying gasoline and lighting that gasoline on fire. She's trying to make a spark with the fucking crowbar. That's some good Chekhov's matches. Oh, when does she... Wait. Right at the beginning of the film, yeah, when yeah. she breaks her arm and Gina Davis is leaving... She says, hey, light a candle for me and I'll be thinking of you. Right. And then she gives the little girl matches that she keeps inside of her cast. So when Gina Uh, Davis is hitting this train of kerosene with the crowbar going, give me a spark, give me a spark. The little girl's like, hey, mum, don't worry about it. I got these matches. Great writing in the concept of like set up and pay off. Yeah, yeah. You know what, little girl? When she first says, give me a spark. Yeah. You let her go for another 45 seconds hitting this, <laughs> trying to hit a spark. You wait for her to get tired before you're like, I have an idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck you, kid. Yeah, there girl. was a little bit of, you know, when uh, I think I've said this to you before about how I fucking hate kids in movies most yeah. of the time because yeah. I feel that they're like, kids are stupid. Correct. Right. But <laughs> when they are really stupid especially in movies and they do something that doesn't seem quite logical and you kind of think how is this kid eight years old yeah like she does because she turns around and has some smarts sometimes you know like she doesn't see she seems more competent than you would think an eight-year-old kid would be in cinema yeah she does and then also she totally doesn't that's what i mean shame black you've not done it again (laughs) uh because the little girl really flirts between competent child and incompetent mess that needs to be protected at all times she traps herself inside of the chemical truck so gina davis now she could easily gina davis be like nah fuck it off yeah i'll save my i'll me and my daughter can get out of here it's good writing in that respect like now gina davis has to stop the chemical truck yeah so she stops the chemical truck and she drives the chemical truck to the bridge between america and canada yeah she throws craig bieko down a well he ends up in a river next to a helicopter that he knows the pilots of conveniently yeah gina davis gets shot the shit out of but she's on the bridge craig bieko arrives in a helicopter and she's calling on the radio like save me save me dear god save me she gets gunned down and says to her daughter like run keep on running run to canada because you know free health (laughs) (laughs) sweet maple syrup free uh, weeds legalized over there run to canada gina davis is pretty much done for <sighs> yeah. she's taken a gunshot into the stomach and yeah. she's kind of bleeding out uh, she tells the kid to run run as far as you can cool and she does she can, she does leg it but then she looks back and obviously see Jean Davis is pretty much just dead heap on the floor Big time. and runs back Yeah. now Gina Davis is lying kind of like wide eyes wide open a kid comes over starts beating on her being like you've got to get up you know don't 
be a little bitch like what I she, was. What does she say? What does she say? What's she saying? Like life, life is, is pain. pain. Get used to it. Get used to it. Yeah, stop being a little bitch. Um, and then Gina Davis goes, yeah, that's all I needed. And then like hulks up, goes and does everything that it would have been very improbable mm-hmm. for somebody in her state to do, which is uh, dangle from the the lights, flying up, grabbed a gun out of a flaming body. Shoot creepy echo in the helicopter to the point where he, quote, dies screaming. Yes. Because... I don't know if you know this, but Craig Bierko has a thing where he can look in someone's eyes and tell whether or not they're lying. And earlier on in the film, Gina Davis says, you're going to st- die screaming. Am, yeah. I, am I lying? And it spooks him. We've totally skated over the fact that Craig Bierko is the little girl's dad. Right, so, I there was a bit of a weird thing about that because is was he the dad? Yeah. Right. How did And when did that happen? When she was planning to kill Craig Bierko... They got too intimate. That's how that Craig Bierko found out that she was ready to kill him. And right. that's why he, he sent One-Eyed Jack. That's when One-Eyed Jack gets the needle to the eye and she dives off the cliff into the water. Yeah. So in that moment, they became too close and a bit too intimate. And that's when she got pregnant. So that's the... Do you know what? That's the bit that I kind of almost... It's, it's, a, it's a hat on a hat, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, that is her dad. Okay. So, what I'm going to tell you now, not fully proud of it, but when the little girl's beating her mum down and be like, life is pain, get used to it, but not this time, last week when I watched it, I shed a tear. Aww. I know. I was there like, oh, fuck. I didn't expect this to be that powerful, and it was. Well done, movie. Yeah. Shane Black, you've done it again. <laughs> um, I, one of the interesting things is, is that the older I've got the more emotional I get watching some movies. I don't know what it is. It's maybe because I'm starting to obviously get on the uh, wrong side of 30. Uh, you've been on the wrong side of 30 for a while now. <laughs> and then... You're close to being the right side of 40. I feel that once you gain a little bit more life experience, and obviously there's still more to come, mm. is that you understand that there's a lot more complexity to situations a lot yeah. of the time. And then you can have a lot more recall with personal experiences mm-hmm. as well and sometimes that watching something on screen can actually invoke a lot of that for yourself there's many moments where I'll, I think the thing that I find a lot quite emotional a lot of the time when I watch movies is when uh, someone has like a quite like a like a father figure or something like that pass away or something like that mm-hmm. or sa- sacrifice as well as a lot uh, yeah well the, have you seen Call Me By Your Name? Um, I don't think I have Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer love story the best scene of that film is where timothy chalamet's character's dad yeah gives him some life advice right at the end and mm. it's like this is what the whole film is yeah the yeah. whole film is just this moment between these two characters awesome i really like because it's a weird thing to talk about because i know a lot of people shit on the movie or the man of steel um yeah. when uh kevin costner oh that's the best bit of the film yeah when he sacrificed himself the the little like hand gesture he gives yes. to um clark saying no 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 yeah, yeah. don't save me because that's going to ruin your life that could just be a short film and i'd watch it again and again yeah that's surrounded by nonsense me. yeah it's but, so moving yeah. and and i feel like when i speak to people about it some people don't get it but no, obviously I know I, yeah 100 percent. and that's kind of what this was this was yeah. The little girl saving her mum. Her mum spent her yeah. whole life protecting her daughter. And it's just, it was so good. He's, mm. And you don't get that that often in films. You don't get the kid character stepping up to save the day. Think about Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Like those kids just get kidnapped and tortured and mm. beaten and bruised and tied up and this and that. And not once does Rianne come in to save uh, Roger's life. Yeah, because I can imagine if you're... Because you'd need the kid to have a little bit more of a... A kind of a lead role to be more of a hero's trait in a sense you kind of think of like children that are generally the leads yeah. in in the movies or more like the protagonist so let's say for example last action hero yeah the kid's the lead you know protagonist in this yeah. movie he's gonna be a little bit more going on the arc getting the yeah. journey getting the redemption getting the knowledge getting the power whatever it is but it's it's, it's really nice and it's, mm. it's a nice moment in this film and it got me i was there like Look at me, Hillary. Oh, I, so sad to say, I found that more cringy. Oh, <laughs> like, fuck you. I know, I'm sorry to shatter that. I like, don't care. I was here like, oh, fuck me. But, I, I think, to be fair, because I feel that the the 
the line itself is like the life. life is pain get used to it yeah adam i hate to tell that tell you this but life is pain life's get awesome life's great Looking at you, I'm going to say life is gluttonous. <laughs> Fuck off. Mate, we've been in Christmas. lockdown. Put a bit of weight on. It's Christmas yeah. time, baby. So Gina Davis is then trapped next to the chemical truck. There's like 20 seconds to go. She's not going to run away. The longest she... 20 seconds. Rennie Harlan knows how to do a countdown. <laughs> and she calls for help and no one goes to help her either side of the border. She can't run away from it in time. And who should appear but Samuel Jackson in the truck... In the car next to this dude, just sits up, drives out the back of a truck, drives out the back of the truck, saying, "That's right, you can't kill me, motherfuckers." This yeah. was reshoots. This was all reshoots. Him saying, "You can't kill me, motherfuckers," was yeah. not in the original script. That was all because audiences wanted his character to survive. So wait a second. If he was going to die anyway, yeah. How did this movie end? I yeah. I have no idea. No, red wire, blue wire. I don't know. Yeah. But um, he drives across and saves her it's a nice hero moment sweet redemption for him yeah they drive off the bridge the truck explodes in 18 different rennie harlan angles ways yeah cars go flying the little girl's got that line of like everyone in that bridge is dead oh yeah don't hit yeah. the cars and i like how he looks at her it's no, like are you fucking you, kidding you <laughs> which don't take your eyes off the road sam yeah but they survive he gets a presidential pardon. He gets to appear on Larry King or something, which is being seen by his ex-wife and his kid. Yep. Both slack-jawed like, oh, he's a good dude because they're talking about how he saved Niagara Falls. And then the end of the film is her throwing a knife at a tree stump <laughs> whilst on a farm surrounded by sheep and saying, eh, chefs do that. The thing is... Jingle I, bell, jingle bell, jingle bell, rock. Because that whole bit where she's uh, it's just like, oh... Uh, we could do this forever sort of thing. And then she throws that knife at the tree stump or whatever. Yeah. I felt that was really emasculating for the husband. Yeah, I mean, Hal gets a really bad looking in this movie. He doesn't really get a looking at all no, in this movie. No, no, he gets the shit kicked out of him by One-Eyed Jack. Nay, Two-Eyed Jack. He yeah. gets to say a joke at the Christmas party. Yeah. Yeah. I love this film, but it's very much a film that if I'm watching it, I know exactly when I'm going to go to the bathroom. Or make a cup of tea. Yeah. Somewhere between the daughter's being kidnapped and we've got to get to Niagara Falls. Stuff happens there where I'm just like, oh, God damn it, I'm out. I felt that you had the two bits where she was captured could have been one. Like, so the, the yeah. water wheel and the fridge. Yeah. You didn't. That's, that's yeah. it. It was like the film picked up so much momentum and went, scene with One-Eyed Jack, scene with David Morse. Yeah. Some other stuff. Yeah. And then the awesome finale. Yeah. It needed to be trimmed from two to an hour of 30. Yeah. You know, and it's because it's not got that lethal weapon mystery intrigue. Well, I think once you kind of explained everything, yeah. it's kind of like, right, okay, let's wrap this up rather than, all right. It's kind of almost like they had to show how badass she was. Again and again and again, okay, which yeah, was I mean, cool. Like, you didn't have that in the 90s. You still yeah. kind of don't have it now, mm. but there's just a lot of waffle in between. Yeah. So, we've been recording for two hours and 15 minutes. Cool, so you're going to have Yeah, a... thanks. <laughs> I think it's more your fault than mine. Disagree. Uh... Oh, look that up, look this up. <laughs> oh, yeah, those five minutes. Uh, yeah, so, guilty or pleasure? Like, Oh, this is, uh, I want to say it's more of a pleasure. I feel like it's a forgotten pleasure, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where I'd feel that... Probably not a lot of people have seen this movie because I feel yeah. it's in that era where it's just there's a mountain and library of films to watch. Yeah. So, you know, we grew up and we had the pleasure of watching this movie yeah. at the time it was released or within the years that it was released. Yeah. Now you're thinking that, what, this is 25 years old? Uh, 24, 25 next year, yeah. yeah. So you've got that and 25 years plus of other movies to yeah. watch. And that's, that's an interesting point because films from that era, you're going to have our quote unquote timeless classics that people are going to know and love, like Pop Fiction, yeah. Clerks, Fight Club, Seven, 90s films that you're just like, oh, these are staple 90s movies that everyone's going to yeah, watch. Yeah, yeah. But this is a forgotten gem in the same way that from the 1940s, 50s era, mm. you've got the classics like Casablanca mm. or what have you, but then the hidden gems like um, Matter of Life and Death or Mrs. Miniver, yeah. which I don't know if you've heard of either of them, but they're fucking phenomenal. 
they fall by the wayside because they haven't hit those great heights. Yeah. Those iconic, like, wow, cinema was born because of Casablanca. Yeah, moment, yeah. Which... Which I feel is like... So this is, like, one of the problems that I feel that this movie has in that... In, if we're going to go down this line, mm. is that if you want to watch a Shane Black movie, you're going to watch Lethal, Lethal Weapon. Weapon. Yeah, I feel like you're not going to watch Last Boy Scouts unless you're into those kind of movies. How much did this make at the box office? We haven't even talked about yeah, that. I was just literally just bring that Because I would suggest this film's made for 37 million. Right, okay. I don't know why 37, but 37 million. This was uh, coming in a budget around about 65 million. And it did not make that much back. Um, yeah, like the advertising, like for this movie, sucks. What like I've, the the one that I remember, the one that I think is quite like, if you were to think of the movie poster for this movie, is the one where they're standing side by side. She's right. Yeah, she's facing like sideways. It's like, white, uh, red writing. Yeah, like long yeah. That's what the VHS was in the house. Oh, okay, the, D- cool. the DVD over there is just up close of their. And faces. she's got some really like fucking long, gangly like. Uh, yeah, she's got she's got, got a uh, really weirdly out of proportion. She's got Angelina Jolie leg, also known as uh, Jim Nash leg. Well, I mean, like, okay, look at this one. <laughs> so look how high her yeah. hips are. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, she looks like a Meeseeks. Yeah. So as, what do what do you get from well from that DVD cover? That, that looks, looks like, like a bargain, bargain bucket. bucket. That is like as Steven Seagal in that yeah, movie. Yeah, that does look like mean? Van Damme and Seagal teaming up. <laughs> it's not. It's it's obscene. Genuinely, it's amazing that we're talking about an industry where you can make twenty five million and yeah. still be a flop. Uh, I yeah, I love this film. I'm probably not going to watch it again for a while. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a movie that you can watch and put to bed for a little while. Whereas I watched Lethal Weapon recently. Yes. I could watch that tomorrow. Or Lethal Weapon Five. Or Lethal Weapon. <laughs> well, I can't. It's not on Netflix. <laughs> um, that's a deep cut joke. So that was a long kiss. Good night. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we will probably have a little break after this one because uh, Christmas time. Obviously, lots of festive fun. But when we come back, we will be coming back with Alien Resurrection. Yes. Oh, of course. Of course. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. If you like what you've heard, please like and subscribe. Twitter, iTunes, Spotify, Facebook. What else? Tell your have? friends. Tell your family. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Broadcast it. Fax us. You can pirate this. You can pirate <laughs> Distribute it, sell it. I don't care. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Record us on VHS, convert us over to DVD, put us on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, what else can we do? Um, just check out our email. Yeah. Check out our website. We don't have one, but try and find it anyway. Yeah. And, Wouldn't that uh, be really weird if, they, if you typed in Adam Craig's Guilty Pleasure Cinema and there was actually... Another Adam Craig's. For the listeners out there, create the Adam Craig's Guilty Pleasure Cinema. No, don't they? Do they will sit on it. Dot com. Uh, then deepfake us however you choose. Mm, not too sure about that. I'm okay with it. You know what? I know who I am. Deepfake the shit out of me. Until then, have a good Christmas. Have a great New Year. <laughs> yeah, happy Christmas, guys. And we'll see you all in the New Year. Ho, ho, ho. We are watching a movie that we are talking about. So sit back and relax, and it's time to talk about it. Talk about it. Maybe get some popcorn, or maybe some snacks, because we are watching. Talking about us.